Hello. QueerAF is now an independent community interest company. Our podcast's first four seasons were funded by National Student Pride, and so there might be some old calls to action in them. For the most up-to-date info on our podcast that funds budding LGBTQIA plus audio producers, visit wearequeeraf.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter that sums up the LGBTQIA plus world and supports queer creatives kickstart their career. Enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. We are back for season three. I'm Jamie Worm, and this is the podcast from National Student Pride. My name is Martin, and I don't like my body. This is Hashtag QueerAF. For a long time, I've struggled with body image. From the media to the career path I've chosen, I know that I've been set on realistic and unattainable goals. I like to think of myself as intelligent or quote-unquote woke. So why, with the knowledge at my fingertips of misleading media and impossible body stereotypes, do I continue to punish myself for the skin that I live in? In many ways, I've lived an exciting life. I spent the last decade traveling the world as a dancer. I look back at pictures of all my experiences, performing on international stages and visiting places that many people only dream of going. But all I see is an imperfect person. And I'm not alone. Content warning. This episode discusses body image and eating disorders. Martin is the host of the hit podcast, The Real Brunch. And for the first episode of our season, he's going to be telling you his personal story about coming to terms with the way that he looks. The UK Gay Mag and Student Pride Media sponsor Attitude Magazine surveyed their readers last year. Eight in ten felt under intense pressure to have a good body. And is it any surprise? Flick through LGBT plus media and most of what you see is rippling abs, large chests and arms, hypersexualized glistening male ideals with 0% body fat. Now this is a podcast, so I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I don't look like this. <laughs> the men I see all over the LGBT plus scene are presented as the ultimate sexual desire. Does this mean I'm not desirable? literally on the other wall is another dating app and it says the guys you like are here and it, they're just like big burly men. And they're two big burly guys with tattoos with rippling muscles me and my friend thomas brackley grabbed a coffee in soho london's lgbt plus district and i'm literally looking at like a flyer in a window right now and literally this is a night right so this is this yeah. is a night that's coming out tonight and it's just literally naked men it's a naked man <laughs> on the front and again that you know that that makes people nervous to go to that night and it said well do i have to look like that to go to that night and you know, there'll be loads of men that are but there'll also be loads of men there that have 
been more stronger than that and think, well, no, I don't like that, but I'm still going to go and have a good time. But Recently, Thomas publicly spoke about his struggles with bulimia in a candid interview with Shortlist magazine. Okay, so you've openly spoken about your uh, journey with bulimia. Yes. Do you want to tell me a bit about your story? Yeah, uh, my story is, so I, um, I unfortunately lost my mother when I was 14. And as a control thing, um, when she passed, I decided that I can control the fact that I was gay. And I can control the fact that my mum had just passed away. But I could control what? I put in my body and therefore how I looked and how I could lose weight through doing that. I didn't really know a healthy way to do it. Um, so I just went to fight or flight mode and stopped eating. And then a result of that made myself sick. And then on that basis, I went to dance college and it just continued through that space. And it only stopped really um, when one, my sister found out because she kept looking at how much weight I'd lost. And she was like, why are you losing so much weight? It's not just because you're dancing, none of your friends are that skinny. So she kind of caught me and then I kind of continued to do it until I actually didn't uh, graduate until I was about 22. And I didn't really think about the fact I needed to be a strong male and I needed to be able to lift girls in shows or have energy enough to be the best performer that I could be in shows. And, and that my eating problem didn't really stop until I was about 22. When you were looking at yourself, mm. what were you comparing it to? Um, I would say I was probably comparing it to the images I saw in the media of men who were a success. Those men being straight and white and tall, dark and handsome with bulging biceps, big muscles. And I was like, well, that is the ideology of beauty. And that is the only form of beauty that I think that men are shown at in the media. And I was kind of like, well, I haven't got anything other um, images to look at or images to go by. So that is what, in my head, was beautiful and that's what I eventually wanted to get to, but I was doing it the wrong way because I was actually losing weight. There are so many different other forms of beauty you can find that's not that men's health ideology of a six-pack of muscles. I maybe look a bit more towards that than I used to, absolutely, but that's due being healthy through eating well and that's a choice of mine because of my work as well. If I really didn't want to do it, I wouldn't do it and I'm happier in my body than I ever have been, but it's a long, long process for me to get here, absolutely. What do you think that the media can do differently? I think instead of, you know, labelling bigger guys as curved guys, or if they are bigger guys, they labelled a dad bod. That is not a dad bod, that's a normal body. Yeah. Like, there should be so many... I think the media needs to make sure that they have a lot more imagery that's not just that stereotypical, beautiful, tall, dark, brown-haired, handsome man. It could be a guy with a large body, but not to label him a dad body. That could just That is just a normal, beautiful body. That doesn't make that man any more or less beautiful because aesthetically he hasn't got the muscles, the six-pack, the abs. And I think it's so important to do that so that people that are impressionable, that are maybe coming out, there can be different ideologies of beautiful, beauty that are healthy as well, but they're not that stereotypical look because you forget that all these men that, do look like that. They are in the gym six, seven days a week. Most of them, if they're famous, have personal trainers or they um, have chefs and they've got all that available to them because of like, the finances in which they have. I'm not saying that it's impossible for you know normal people to do that, but it's also a lot harder and it's also not explained about how you get there in a healthy way. And I think that it's really, really important for the media to take ownership of that. Like Thomas, I have felt pressure as a performer to look a certain way. I have this distinct memory of being in a casting situation. It was for a touring musical. The long day had been spent in a basement studio with 400 other dancers. We had spent the morning sweating and pushing our bodies to grasp the choreography and compete for another elusive job. 
the panel of judges sat before us, watching us pour our heart and soul into every minute of dancing, with many ending up disappointed as they were asked to grab their things and leave. At 2pm, half the dancers had been cut, and I was pretty confident that I had this in the bag. I was already getting excited about the fact that this could be my moment to shine. Then the elusive words came. Okay boys, tops off. The routine again from the top. I now had to stand among the masses of men and not only prove myself in skill and talent, but in physique. I felt so exposed. I was being directly judged and compared to my peers by the way that my body looked. By a stroke of luck, I got the job. However, the short-lived body confidence was soon shattered as within days of rehearsal starting, producers were handing out gym memberships and diets for us. During costume fittings, my shirtless attire was changed to a t-shirt. And in the finale, while most of the cast were topless, I was given makeup and body contouring, stood in front of thousands of people. On the largest stage I had ever performed, I should have been in ecstasy, living my dreams. I had never felt more self-conscious and unworthy. So I think there are practical guidelines that all media need to be following. Uh, When it comes to portraying any kind of issue, there are responsible and ethical ways of reporting on anything. That's Shannon Power. She is a journalist and the health editor for Gay Star News. But that includes also portraying eating disorders specifically as complex and serious mental health disorders that have serious physical consequences. And that means not glorifying someone's weight loss or telling uh, readers or your audience how many calories they ate per per day and giving them specific information. Um, So I think it's important to follow those ethical guidelines as a reporter and a media outlet. And that's sort of your your journalism 101 in a really practical way to help the community. But I think um, sort of more holistically, it's really important to represent all different kinds of body types in your media. So, you know, we run a daily poll or bi-weekly poll, whatever it is here at Gay Star News, and we try to avoid always using images of men unless it's a male-specific poll, Uh sure, um, because it's so easy to just revert to the topless white guy image. But we have to remember that there's other people that read our website. So I think... um, not only is it important to promote all different kinds of body types, the responsibility in particular for LGBTI media is even greater and it always is when it comes to reporting anything to do with the community. We do have more responsibility and that's because we know that our communities have sort of poorer mental health uh, outcomes, mental health issues, um, and that also ties into eating disorder and body image issues. Um, we also have a greater complexity of what body image is and what it means. And that's because we have a wider range of gender identities and sexualities and I guess um, subcultures. And within that, there's complexities within those. So I think um, not only do we need to represent all of those body types and images and identities fairly, but we need to do it lovingly. Just a quick walk through Soho, um, it kind of shows you specifically cisgendered white gay men um, targeted with sort of hypersexualized images, um, big biceps and pecs and abs and all that thing. Uh, even the club nights that we have, um, so, so the adverts for our safe spaces seem to be just targeted sex. I mean, sex, and it's kind of a common phrase throughout 
media throughout the world, isn't it? Sex sells. How do we promote dating and love and the positive parts of our community without using sex? So I think there's two different issues here when it comes to the kind of uh, images we're seeing that are used to promote gay clubs and gay venues and what have you, um, and that is the hypersexualized white muscle man. That's a that's a problem and that's an issue. We need diversity in who's representing the community. In terms of being a very sexualized community, I don't have so much of an issue with that being portrayed because sexuality and sex is something that's always been a big part of the identity of the LGBTI community. Um, so for me, you know, I, I don't see too much of a separation between sex and the LGBTI community. Uh-huh. And that does apply, I still believe, to uh, all members of the community where they represent as asexual or polyamorous, whatever that may be. Sex ties so much into our identity, how we do it, why we do it, when we do it. No matter what your uh, sexuality is, I think that is a big part of the identity that I don't have a problem with retaining. But uh, it's how those images are presented and who are in who is in those images. So in terms of moving forward from that, it is the, that thing of it's it's quite cynical, but it is not only just about sex selling, but it's just recognizing, I guess, um, a, a dollar value on on how we can commodify different looks and different identities. I, I think that is, the way that these uh, the promotions and advertising will change if they can see a dollar value in promoting different communities, which I hate to admit, it makes my skin crawl. It's very cynical, uh, but these businesses are out to make money, and if they see they can make uh, some good money off bears or particular trans communities, then maybe that's that's the way we have to do it. If we're talking about you know, particularly when it comes to businesses and that sort of thing. If we look at the media in terms of um, lesbian, bisexual, um, pansexual, trans, queer women, how do you feel like that has been represented in the media? So I think we, a lot of the community has come to rely on that sort of staple of gay male, popular culture, literature, media, uh, and that sort of thing. And I know that there is a lot more diversity now. I still believe that you really have to, like, rooted out you really have to struggle hard to find it because I know there are some lesbian publications that my friends who are people of color are not interested in consuming at all because they feel it doesn't represent them but I know that there are queer magazines out there for queer women of color and you know and I and it would be great if they were as easily accessible and as easy to find as something like gay star news or other media outlets Um, And they are a bit smaller. So I think when it comes to non-men, whatever that may be, there's a little bit more uh, elbow grease needs to be put in to find what is out there for you. It does exist. You just have to dig a bit deeper to find it. And that's why I think we do often just fall back on consuming the more traditional, in inverted commas, gay media. Have you learned to avoid negative imagery for your own body image? as a younger woman anyway I did always see those ideals of like the skinny blonde girls and that's what you should be and you should look away a certain way speak a certain way so in an essence the queer world allows me to be like the bullshit loudmouth opinionated person that I am which is great and I take that into whatever world I move into but I also am just like permanently confused yeah because I don't kind of fit in anywhere so I just have to go with what I like and what makes me happy yeah and that's taken me like I'm 36 now it's taken me this long to figure it out 
Shannon Power there from Gay Star News. After the break, Martin shares more of his story and talks about how food, exercise and control are all a big part of that. Thanks for listening to Hashtag Queer AF. We make the show to turn the National Student Pride event into a year-round conversation, but we are also weeks away from this year's event held in London the weekend of the 22nd to 24th of February. And this podcast is going to be live on stage with guest hosts Evan Davis and the LGBT plus legend Ian McKellen in a rare public interview. And you can be there to see the recording happen. Weekend wristbands to the festival are just £5. You can get them now on studentpride.co.uk forward slash tickets. Oh, and if you're enjoying the show, please share it with a friend, rate us on Apple Podcasts and help spread the hashtag QueerAF message. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Welcome back. This week, Martin is reflecting on how eating disorders are impacting the queer community, as well as telling his own personal story about body image. I can't help but feel this problem is so ingrained in LGBT plus culture. Sure, I can objectively look at the issue and tell myself that my body is good enough. But if we're all consuming the same content, then other people are still learning this standard. After my tour, I hung up my dancing shoes. The auditioning and constant rejection finally tipped the scales and I needed a change. I took a year out and began working as a restaurant manager, but I was less active and my eating pattern was really erratic. This huge lifestyle change led to a change in my body that I felt uncomfortable with at the time. I also began to struggle with my mental health and self-worth. As a way of coping with this, I returned to performing for a small cruise line company. I wanted to become healthier and work on my aesthetic, but little did I know how far I would go to achieve this. 
Once again, during a costume fitting, I felt the same shame undressing in front of the other boys. The director selected my costume. A fishnet mesh bodysuit. I begged not to wear it. And although he was actively unimpressed by how I looked, he encouraged me to hit the gym and lose weight. I told him I looked awful in it, which he agreed. He told me that when he came on board in a few months, he was confident that I would have, quote, fixed the issue. Something that I now realize was terrible language to use. While on the ship, the work was, well, only 45 minutes a day. But the other 23 hours and 15 minutes were self-dedicated to my fitness obsession. I would wake up early when the ship docked in Stockholm each morning, and I would run five miles in minus 23 degrees. My eyelids would often seal shut with the frost, but this didn't stop me. I changed my eating and developed a pattern of binging and purging during this time. I started to encounter difficulties with my mental health around my teenage years. Uh And I think that it was something that took a long time to come to a head. That's James Downs. He's a writer, mental health and eating disorder campaigner who has been incredibly vocal about his own journey with body image and disordered eating. And it was only when it was really affecting my ability to go to school and to really function day to day that I noticed. And um, I missed nearly a whole year of school when I was around 15 years old, just skiving off because I felt so anxious about my appearance. And even though the main stuff that I talk about these days is about eating disorders and food. It started off with more just a concern about my appearance and it was diagnosed eventually as OCD. But this was after a year nearly of missing school and just walking around back lanes of the city and I got away with it and um, I shouldn't really have got away with it. You know, the school Someone should have have noticed. Someone should have noticed, I think. And, you know, my family didn't know anything about it and the school at the time didn't know anything about it. The people who I saw in the child adolescent services were really keen to sort of fix me quick and send me off. And they didn't look beyond the issues that I was having to the underlying drivers. It was like one thing was just replaced with another. So instead of this OCD body dysmorphia kind of thing, it became an eating disorder. And it just seemed like a natural progression to me. And part of me thinks looking back, maybe I didn't, well, not only was I not being heard, but I didn't have the ways to communicate my distress to the professionals. Mm -hmm. And I was escalating my behavior to something that was, something that became very visible and it could have been a way to communicate that I wasn't okay but I didn't have any other way to communicate it. There are so many different presentations of eating disorders and they do happen to to anybody and we get again I think we're really quick to say this is the profile of somebody who has this condition this is the profile of somebody who has this condition and thinking that it's just a girl it's just anorexia like the minority of eating disorders are anorexia you know the majority of people with an eating disorder will not be underweight and when I say that to people, they're often quite surprised because you think eating disorders, they think anorexia. So if you take the bracket of men with eating disorders, yeah. there is a disproportionate amount of those that do identify as gay, bisexual, trans, queer. People with um, you know, non-heterosexuality have more issues with food and body image. There's yeah. a bit of evidence about that, but it doesn't automatically mean that you're gay or it doesn't automatically mean that your sexuality is the issue. And I think often in in my experiences with getting help, people have tried to write off my problems as, oh, it's just because you're gay and you haven't come to terms with it, you know? And 
and actually I have a very accepting family. I've never really had trouble accepting my sexuality. I'm very comfortable with that. There are definitely barriers to accessing support for people in LGBT plus community. And part of that I think might be that you don't feel very represented when you go to uh, clinics that are full of a particular kind of person. And services have been designed, I think, for young women, generally by women. I think there are barriers about being understood and that there isn't much training about uh, equality, diversity issues, gender, and a lot of professionals feel really unequipped to cope with these questions. And in terms of LGBT plus um, experiences of eating disorders, there's very little research, but there is a lot of evidence from people who go and try and get help that it's a bit harder to get help because their experiences can be written off in terms of their gender identity issues or whatever it is. And you know, there are there are specific uh, body types that are held up for different communities. And I think that services are not very up on this. They're not very knowledgeable about gender issues, about sexuality issues. And so, you know, it can be quite difficult to expect them to know when the training isn't really there. So I'd like to see a lot more training about, about gender and sexuality in eating disorder services. I never quite achieved my own body goals. I guess this is the point. The goals are unattainable. After the ship, I moved to Tokyo, and I lived there for a year. The benefit of not being able to read food packets meant that I couldn't obsess over the calories going into my body. But although my work schedule was so intense that I couldn't exercise outside of work, the long days in the theater dressing rooms surrounded by mirrors meant I would spend huge portions of my day looking at my body from different angles and counting the ways I could improve it. Control is a big factor in my journey. At times of great sadness and stress, I tend to fall back into old eating patterns and routines in an attempt to regain this. My relationship with my body is, I guess it's it's very wavy. It can go up and down. Like I can have moments where I'm like really feeling quite positive about it. And then other moments when I'm just like, no, I just don't like it at all. Jacob is a presenter and facilitator currently working with The Challenge, Young Minds, Gadio and Project U. As a non-binary person, they talk about their own journey with body image. Because non-binary people, it's so diverse. I've seen quite a few really diverse campaigns lately where there's all different body types. And I think that was just amazing to see, especially for me personally, because I was hating how I looked and I never saw anybody that looked anything like me so that was really empowering but a lot of the other media that I see is very much centered around this sort of one image of a non-binary person which is a small white thin child essentially and um, that's just not how that's not what non-binary is that's the stereotype if you like just like all of the LGBT community has these stereotypes that everybody just goes to immediately it's like there's, there's so much more more to it than these stereotypes. As James Downs mentioned earlier, eating disorders can present themselves in lots of different ways. So I was diagnosed with binge eating disorder about a year ago now, and that was an interesting diagnosis because I didn't really see myself as having an eating disorder because something I found with being a larger person is that you are just told by like everybody in the media that you're just greedy or you eat the wrong kind of food or you don't exercise enough. And then finding out that I had an eating disorder and this was like a thing, it was 
quite confusing in my head because I was like, well, this can't be right, can it? And it took me a long time to actually accept that I had an eating disorder because I spent all this time thinking, no, I'm just this and that. And looking back, I'm like, no, everything adds up. Like when I read up about eating disorders and binge eating specifically, it makes sense because of all the emotions that I was feeling and how I ate. It was more about how. The way that I've sort of combated that overall in moving forward was to sort of embrace that this is the size that I am and not aspire to be any thinner but try not to get any bigger so this is just like my default now and so I want to be able to just fit into the same clothes and not buy these like really tight clothes and hope that I one day fit into them just have comfortable clothes dress how I want to dress which was another big thing because being non-binary I I wanted to just buy clothes but in the past I was just going to the men's section and that really made me uncomfortable so expanding my wardrobe really helped with that as well and just buying things that I felt comfortable wearing both because of my gender identity and that fit was a really big step in sort of being able to look in the mirror and go wow yeah I'm happy with how I look today. Jacob spoke about happiness. The hardest part about negative body ideals and eating disorders is that they are based in the search for this. I want to be happy. I want to be loved and accepted. I want to be deemed attractive enough to have these things. Currently, I feel much more in control of my body. Sure, I don't have rippling abs, and I doubt I'll be plastered on the front of a magazine shirtless anytime soon, but I'm okay with it. I'm currently happy. My name's Martin, and I'm okay with my body. Podcaster Martin Joseph being so hashtag Go check out Martin's podcast, The Real Brunch, for more LGBT interviews, giggles, and there's even an episode on their feed with us talking about the National Student Pride event there too. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed today, like Martin said, you are not alone. EatEatingDisorders.org.uk is the website for the UK's eating disorder charity. They have a helpline, you can call them on 0808 801 0677. That's 0808 801 0677. We're going to put that number and the link in our show notes. That's it for this week's hashtag QueerAF. Stay with us for a trailer of the upcoming season and leave today's show knowing that next week, Jacob, who you heard at the end of the show there, is taking the reins for a whole episode about dating as an NB. That's short for non-binary. It is such a delightful show. So please make sure you're subscribed and rate us on Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, share the Spotify link with a friend or hey, just tell them about listening to the show on your favorite podcast app. Creative Commons music comes from Kevin McLeod, AK, and the track Going to the Stars in today's show throughout. It was produced and reported by Martin Joseph with executive production by me, Jamie Worm. See you at National Student Pride 2019, the 22nd to 24th of February. And remember, we are hashtag QueryF, and so are you. Here's a taste of what's to come this season.
Hashtag Queer AF, the podcast by National Student Pride, is back. Sexuality and sex is something that's always been a big part of the identity of the LGBTI community. They were like, apologise, apologise. And I was like, well, apologise for what? And he's like, apologise for being gay. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. He's very much centred around this sort of one image of a non-binary person, which is a small, white, thin child. That's not what non-binary is. That's the stereotype. I was already getting excited about the fact that this could be my moment to shine. Then the elusive words came. Okay, boys, tops off. The routine again from the top. But Jack was like orchestrating the whole thing. It's like his life is a porno. Is it like that for all gay guys? We find out in the podcast that empowers students, graduates and LGBT plus producers to tell their most hashtag queer AF story. All in the name of National Student Pride, taking place the 22nd to 24th of February 2019 in London. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts for season three, which returns on January 28th with me, Jamie Wareham. Expect stories about non binary dating, body image, sex, and spoiler. Listen to find out how you can be at our live recording with guest and LGBT plus legend. Ian McKellen at National Student Pride's event. We are hashtag queer AF. And so are you. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.